Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. Welcome to our Mini Trees episode. Today we will be talking through Mini Trees' new EP, Slip Away, that is out currently. Uh, It came out on May 29th, so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, make sure that you check out that EP. We have Lexi Vega of Mini Trees, and we're going to talk about that whole EP with her. We're going to give a bunch of general questions to her first, and then we're going to go track by track through the EP and ask a bunch of questions about the EP specifically. Specifically. So, Nate, you ready to jump into this? Yes, sir. Before we get into the interview, we just want to take a quick second and let you know Bibio is coming out with a new album on June 12th. Title of the album, Sleep on the Wing. First single, Sleep on the Wing. Title track. Here's a little clip. It's banging. It's beautiful. It's going to make your ears all tingly and nice and make you want to sing with the little birds outside in the springtime. All right, here we go. Before we get started, uh, we recorded this episode before the death of George Floyd, and since then, so much has happened to our country, and so much has been brought to light. And first off, we just wanted to say that Black Lives Matter, but more than just say those words, we want to act on them. And so, along with seeking to listen to, learn from, and love our black and brown neighbors in our personal lives, we'd also like to promote with Lexi a resource that has helped us and hopefully can help you take action against systemic racism. In Minitree's bio, you'll be able to find blacklivesmatter.carrd.co. On this website, you can sign petitions, you can text or call those in legislation, donate, register to vote, read resources, etc. There's just so much helpful information there that can help us all take action against injustice and racial inequality in our country. So again, blacklivesmatter.carrd.co, and you can find that in Minitree's bio. Also, in our bio, you can find our website, which includes our Black Artist Playlist. One of the many ways we can support Black artists is through streaming their music, and so we've put together a playlist of a lot of our favorite Black artists. All right, now on to the interview. All right, today we have with us Lexi Vega of Mini Trees, who is releasing her dynamic sophomore EP, Slip Away, on May 29th, after releasing her incredible debut EP, Steady Me, in May of 2019. Lexi, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me. That's such a nice intro. Wow. (laughs) We try, you know, we try. So we just like to start out by playing this game called How Blank Are You? So today it's called How Lexi Vega Are You? And we'll be asking you this or that type questions. Really, it's just a chance for you to figure out whether you want to go through with the interview with us. Like, we're asking simple questions here, and clearly if we can't do that, we're incapable of asking more complicated, detailed questions about your music. So really, we just wanted to give you an out. So does that sound good? Yeah, sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
Okay, sweet. All right, so your first question is coffee or tea? Coffee, 100%. Twitter or Instagram? Instagram. Twin Peaks or Stranger Things? Ooh, Stranger Things, but I've never seen Twin Peaks, but I know that it's like has a cult following. So one day, maybe, maybe I'll choose that one. Waffles or falafel? And just for the record, I definitely didn't have a hard time spelling falafel while writing this question up. <laughs> uh, falafel, actually. Sweet. <laughs> Spring or fall? Ooh. Um, wow. Uh, well, I live in L.A., so I don't really have either. <laughs> um, for a season of my life, I lived in Seattle. Both were great. I'm going to say fall. Apple Music or Spotify? Spotify. Takeout or dine-in? And this is a non-COVID-19 era question. Oh, man. I mean, I'm feeling all nostalgic about dining in. I'm trying to like take myself back to when that was allowed. Um, I think still dine-in. Yeah. It's fun. The whole experience. Reading or writing? Writing. I'm so bad at finishing books these days. <laughs> so. And there's no excuses not to anymore. Truly, yeah. I I fully acknowledge I've been wasting so much time playing Animal Crossing when I should be like <laughs> trying to expand my horizons with knowledge. But anyways. All right. Rap or country? Rap. In the studio or playing shows? Oh, that's hard. I love both so much for different reasons. I guess playing live. Again, I'm like, I miss it so bad right now. So mm-hmm. I love them both, but I guess playing live. So this last question needs a little bit of context. So I am from Philly. Nate is from Boston. So we want you to decide Philly or Boston. (laughs) Oh, wow. Two places that I've spent very little time in. Um, I am going to say Philly because I like the way you say wooder. (laughs) That's true. And one of my close friends is from Philly. But I bet Boston's great. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So nothing against you, Lexi. I'm tired of saying this, and I have to say it every interview. So we've done, I mean, I'm not pretending like we've done infinity interviews, but let's say we've done more than than two, <laughs> and not a single person has said Boston. No way. Yeah. Uh, it's just my heart, it like... There's this build up in anticipation, like maybe she'll say it or maybe they'll say it. And then it's always Philly. And so I'm just really callous at this point. So it's fine. It's okay. Whatever. I feel for you, Nate. I do. <laughs> no, you don't. But spoiled. I'm, I'm undefeated. All right. So, uh, Lexi, how was that? Do you want to stay and keep going or are you piecing out? I'm all in. All right. Sick. Well, usually we transition from our Boston and Philly question to talking about upcoming tours, but unfortunately that's no longer the case with anyone, including yourself, because of COVID-19. So I'm just going to ask, how have you been handling the pandemic personally? You doing all right? What are you kind of doing during this time? Yeah, um, I think it, you know, kind of like ebbs and flows, like my mood kind of ebbs and flows because um, you you adapt, you get used to it, you figure out ways to make it work. but then I think like, yeah, I mean, the most discouraging part about it is no one really knowing when we're allowed to like start playing shows again. So, yeah, that's a bummer. But we're literally all in the same boat. I shouldn't say literally because we're not in a literal boat, but we are all in the same boat <laughs> in that we can't play shows. Yeah, I I mean, all of the like really important things, um, you know, like my family's healthy. 
I'm able to work from home a bit. So that helps like those things are going, are going well. So I really can't complain, but, um, very much looking forward to when we can all be together again and go to shows and yeah, I don't know. It's going to be very weird, but it's, it's going all right. So with the EP's release date and stuff, you're kind of in this awkward time because it was probably too early to announce anything pre-quarantine. And so I'm not sure, and we were wondering, after the release, were you planning on doing some shows or a tour to follow the EP? Yeah, um, there were a handful of dates booked. Definitely some bigger ones around LA, including an EP release show. And then we had a Pacific Northwest tour booked. We were going to hit um, Seattle, Olympia, Portland, maybe Spokane. It was going to be kind of like a shorter run, like maybe a week. And then I was going to try to plan something else for the fall, um, which, again, maybe is worth just like getting dates booked. So they're, you know, by the time we get there, maybe maybe we can play them. But uh, so far, I haven't really gotten started on that because I don't know. I'm not super motivated to have my heart broken again. But uh, no, so yeah, it, it would have been like some some LA shows and um, going up to like Washington and Oregon. Sweet, and probably Philly, but not Boston. That's cool. All right. Um, <laughs> One so, day. <laughs> so we just wanted, as we transition out of COVID stuff, to encourage listeners and fans of Lexi. Go and buy a mini t-shirt or a tote bag. Buy digital copies of her EPs. Is there anything we're missing fans can do to support you? Oh, thanks. Um, That pretty much covers it. There'll be some more stuff with the EP release. We're going to do a very cool vinyl split of my last EP, Steady Me, and then my next EP, Slip Away. So one on each side. Um, That'll be coming out. And so that's something else that you could purchase if you are into that kind of thing. I'm salivating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yes, please, when she announces that, pre-order that. All right. So transitioning out of some non-COVID questions, how did you become a musician? And eventually, how did Mini Trees start? Um, yeah. So I grew up in a really musical family. So it made a lot of sense for me to start picking up insurance for myself. Um, my dad who passed away when I was a kid, he was a session drummer and a touring drummer. So like our lives really revolved around that a lot, um, in my childhood. And then my mom too, like, um, she used to sing in this Japanese jazz fusion band called Hiroshima in like the eighties. That's actually how my parents met. Um, and yeah, it's so funny too. Cause every now and then, so my dad played on like you know, a whole bunch of records. And, uh, the main artist who he toured with was James Taylor. So a lot of times when like people ask about this kind of stuff, I'll share about my dad, like, Oh, that's cool. And then every now and then when I share about my mom playing in this band, (laughs) there'll be one like band, like somehow somebody knows about Hiroshima and they'll like freak out. But all that being said, uh, yeah, super musical parents. So grew up just being surrounded by people who really encouraged me to play myself and and to write. And so, yeah, I think like as early as five, I was tinkering with like drums and um, not not anything good, but at least like showing interest in it. And then by the time I was in fourth or fifth grade, I was like obsessed with, um, gosh, what was I into at that time? I was like, I was into like Linkin Park and Papa Roach and I was like nine. Um, and then kind of started making my way through different genres, like got really into classic rock, 
that transitioned into like screamo and hardcore music. And I was like a warped tour kid through like oh, man. junior high and high school. Oh yeah. And <laughs> we then talk like about that for a while. Yeah. Oh yeah. We should have a whole segment on that. I love yeah. talking about it. Um and then that kind of like started transitioning into more Indian folk music. Um and then I think that's sort of what eventually led to mini trees. But even like I'll go back to records I used to love a lot in high school. And I think like I kind of start realizing how much they've influenced my songwriting without me even really recognizing that because it's been like years since I've heard them. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of the background, I guess, on playing music. And then, um, yeah, Mini Trees started in 2018. I was playing in a couple bands at the time that were sort of like on hiatus. And so um, just wasn't really doing a lot. Um, in the music scene and didn't feel like I had my usual creative outlet. So I kind of just like started to sit down and write a lot more and always kind of wrote music, but just was never very confident about it. So it was always stuff that just kind of stayed on my laptop and like nobody ever heard it. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of was bored. So I just started writing more and started opening up to friends a little bit and showing them demos and through that I think I got a little bit more courage and so my producer John Joseph uh, we had already known each other through a couple of the other projects I was in so just like sent him some of the demos and asked if I could come in and like record some and just sort of just see how it felt and so that's what led to um, me releasing my first single, which is called Take It Back. And I honestly didn't know if I would do anything beyond that. I was just kind of like testing the waters a little bit and uh, actually liked it a lot. Like thought it was really exciting and fun to share something I'd written. And so kind of just kept it going from there. And yeah, that's, that's it, I guess. Yeah. So how much of the music is you? And if you're not doing it alone, who else helps instrumentally? Yeah, so... It is pretty much just John and I. We did bring in this guy named Max Kaplan to play all the woodwinds on the EP, and he play, also played on a Christmas song that I put out last year. He just, like, rips this fat sax solo on it. But before Max, it was just John and I. So, yeah, usually what that process looks like is um, I'll bring in some pretty, like, lo-fi bedroom demos. I'm, like... I know enough to like get ideas down and like work through, um, yeah, just different like melodies and riffs and things that I have in my head, but it doesn't, it would never be something that I would like share with the world. So, um, usually I, yeah, I bring these like lo-fi demos into the studio and work them out with John and between the two of us, we track everything. So I do all the drums. I do probably like 80% of the guitars. John does a hundred percent of the bass because he is an incredible bass player. We kind of, he plays the majority of keys, but I, sometimes I write on keys. I'm like not very piano proficient. So it takes me like a lot longer to track stuff. But if I've written something on keys, then I'll track it. And then I do all the vocals. So building off the production comment with John, obviously production, at least in our eyes, is a huge part of your music. How important to you is production, and how has that relationship with John been in putting so much focus and attention on the production elements? Yeah, I mean, it definitely matters a lot to me. I mean, I think what I love about working with John is from the beginning, I really felt like he got the vision, I guess. Like, he just really knew what kind of sound I wanted. And, yeah, I I think, like, the partnership has really, like contributed so much 
to the mini tree sound to the point of where it would be hard to imagine taking it to somebody else. And I mean, I'm sure like, you know, there's lots of amazing producers out there, but I think it's been such a strong like collaboration. And yeah, it, I think like he's, he's very much a part of the sound and what he brings to the table with his like ideas. And, um, cause the thing that's been important to me is especially with my background being more in drums, I feel like it's easy for some of my songwriting to potentially lean towards that sort of like dream pop genre where maybe it gets more into like sampling and drum machine stuff and which I like I love um and I'm not opposed to exploring but um I've always wanted to have that sort of live live drums kind of analog organic sound um even though we're still sort of doing a lot of like reverby dreamy stuff if that makes sense so I feel like John's helped help me strike that balance really well and within the writing and production of these songs, it feels like there's an emphasis on your vocals and that those vocals are kind of creating their own space within these tracks, whether it's how they're mixed, whether it's how they're stacked, that these vocals, it feels like they're kind of the core of a lot of these songs and where everything ties back to with the production. So how do you go about mixing these vocals and creating these vocals to create those intentional spaces in your music whoa that's a cool question i mean I, I think it i think it is very intentional i mean ironically from the beginning i almost pushed back on the idea of doing a lot of that harmony stacking um with like the background vocals and like it wasn't because i don't love it because i do like i love a lot of artists that, that use that sort of thing um like Bon Iver being one of them. I think I kind of felt like maybe it's been done before. Maybe if I if I try to do that, it'll feel like I'm ripping off somebody else. So I kind of like pushed back on it. But then the more we started experimenting with that sound, the more it was just like, oh, like, I just love this. <laughs> like, it, just, it adds so much emotion to you because sometimes I love the contrast of like a sort of like bouncy, upbeat song that is like melancholy and theme and lyric. And like, we can also sort of like pull that off with certain harmonies too. And so, um, yeah, I think like kind of stumbled into it, but then realized how much it, it sort of made sense with the overall sound. And, uh, now I do feel like we're very intentional about it. Usually when I'm writing, I'm kind of keeping that all in mind, like certain melodies, how can we build, a lot of like harmonies off of that and um, use that to sort of like build the dynamic of the song too. So what's your songwriting process? Does it usually follow a similar pattern or is it kind of different depending upon the song and the situation? It tends to follow a similar pattern. A lot of times, a lot of times I sit down and just like noodle around on guitar for a bit and try and find some some chord progressions that seem to, to kind of inspire some melodies. And then I start tracking those and it's usually like I put down a bunch of mumbled tracks. So like mm. just trying to get my melodies um, figured out and then uh, kind of like we'll build, build off of that. So a lot of times when I take a song into the studio, I don't even have lyrics written yet. So we'll kind of build everything around those like preliminary, like vocal melodies and, and guitar progressions and then uh, I'll, I'll come back later with lyrics usually. But every now and then I'll be driving and like have a, a melody in my mind. So I'll just like record a bunch of weird bumble tracks on my voice memo. So it's like <laughs> my voice memo is like full of so many little like 20 second clips like that. 
And uh, yeah, but I really rarely start with lyrics. Like I'm not so much a like journaler or like somebody who writes down a lot of poetry. So it kind of starts with like with the melodies and then it that sort of makes me feel a certain way or think about a certain thing. And that's kind of how I start writing lyrics for it. And what are kind of the main elements that you feel like make a mini trees song? Uh, well, I mean, the obvious one I would say is probably the stacked background vocals, which we do like they're all layers. So we don't do any like vocoder stuff. That's become a pretty like key part of the sound, I think. And then uh, another thing that we do pretty consistently in the studio is we track a lot of Nashville guitar. So like layering the uh, like guitar voicings as well and those like chord voicings. Let's see what else would be a consistent thing. Generally a lot of reverb and like tape echo sort of sounds. Yeah, that's all that comes to mind for me so far. I mean, the, the other thing, too, like, the bass playing is consistently so good just because of John. And um, I've never once asked him to tone it down because I'm, like, all for it. So I think, like, there's a lot of really, like, catchy, sort of dancey bass lines in there, too. So with your EPs, are you working around kind of a five-song group of tracks and they all make it or are you picking from a larger pool and have to scratch them if i've taken this song to john then it it'll make it on the record at least so far there's a lot of demos that have never made it and like probably never will so i think i kind of like work through that process on my own and then when i feel really comfortable like confident about one then i'll i'll take that in and i mean we're hoping that the next project can be a full-length record where we can just like dedicate two weeks to knocking out a bunch of songs and so in that process there may be some that that don't make it on but so far i think i think because it is a five song project it's sort of easier to like bring your best and yeah so so it's worked out that way so far the main part of it too is like i do wait till i feel really confident about a song or an idea because i'm gonna be paying for it and so you know i just like the part of it too is just like i i want to be sure before i like go in and work on something yeah so i kind of weed out a lot of the not not so great ideas on my own. So we discovered you through David Dean Burkhart when Steady Me was released. Oh, cool. And honestly, I listened to every single song he posts just because I found so many good artists over the past like year, year and a half or so. And you are easily one of the best artists that I found on there, no doubt. And um you just released a music video for Slip Away on his channel. Do you mind talking about that relationship and how that came about? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's a complete mystery to me. I have no idea who he is. <laughs> I would love to meet him and like, you know, like any show he ever wants to come to, you can come to for free. If he wants a vinyl, I'll give it to him for free. Like he's the homie, but I do not know who he is. <laughs> um, he reached out to me at one point after... I released singles off of Steady Me. Maybe it was Steady Me, which it was, was was the first single. But yeah, he he emailed me and just said, like, I have a YouTube channel. Do you mind if I post it? And I sent him the wave file for the song and he posted it. And then I checked it out and I was like, oh, like, <laughs> this guy's got followers. Like, people watch this. Um, and then after that, he pretty much reached out every time I put something out. And so I uh, just kept sharing the files with him and... Uh, when the music video was ready, I knew that my channel of like 14 subscribers <laughs> wouldn't do so well. So I reached out to him to see if he'd be willing to post it on his channel and premiere it. And he was very kind to do so. And 
um, yeah, it's done so much better than if I would have posted on my own. So grateful for him. And again, like, I would love to just like know who he is, but I, I can't tell you more information. I, I truly don't know. Do you know? No, I actually, as you were talking, so he's always been a mystery to me, but I was thinking we should definitely ask him to come on the podcast and then just like, you should just show up yeah. and be like, yeah. Yeah. Be like, Hey, it's Lexi. Ambition. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> we're basically going to trap him is what yeah. you're trying to do. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And then we're going to say, put your screen on David Dean Burkhart, put your screen on. We need to see your face. Yeah. I got it. I got to know one day. So we want to talk about the artwork for the EP and the single artwork. All of your artwork for everything was really phenomenal. Do you mind sharing who did this and the inspiration for especially the EP cover art design? Yeah. um, So the artist who did all three pieces, um, her name is Alice Henry. And um, I don't know Alice personally yet other than through uh, Bobby, who is my manager. They, They were like childhood best friends. So um, when we were kind of discussing artwork for the EP, he brought Alice up and showed me some of her stuff and I just thought it was great. So yeah, I mean, I'm like not the most visual, like artist type of person. So like I gave her very little direction. I gave her the EP. I said like, you know, I explained the themes that the lyrics explore and then just sort of let her run with it. So I'm sure like, yeah, there are definitely some mock-ups along the way that kind of missed the mark or whatever, you know naturally since I gave like no direction and then when she started working more with like the concept of like there being hands that are holding each other or reaching out or or whatever they're doing that felt really relevant um I mean the other thing is I've always been like attracted to like line illustration art Mm -hmm. and um so that was sort of like natural that I would like that she would explore that style what was different about the artwork for the CP was it like explored a lot more color than anything I've done in the past. I like always sort of like gravitate towards neutrals, like grays, blacks, <laughs> like all my merch I realized was like gray and black. So I'm trying to explore more color. Um, but I, I appreciated that. Like it's like a really like strong Royal blue for like slip away and then a really strong orange for want me to stay. Um, and then with the EP artwork, that one also kind of like, pushed me a little bit too because it was like it's a little more mixed media like has a, a photograph incorporated um and with that like i think like water imagery is something that i kind of tend to write about sort of like unintentionally i don't know if that's just because i like live in la and i there's like an ocean nearby um but that's sort of a common i guess like common symbolism in my writing so that made sense that would sort of fit right in with that and yeah, so a lot of it was just Alice kind of like bringing her ideas and it just like clicking and making sense. So I'm really glad that she was able to work with, you know, the little little notes and direction I could give her and she kicked ass on it. It looks great. Um, the other cool thing is the vinyl that we're going to be putting out. I had Alice create um, totally unique art for it. And so that looks really good too. I'm stoked on that. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for answering our general questions. Are you ready to go track by track through the EP? Yeah, let's do it. All right. For the first song, we have the title track, Slip Away.
All right, that was Slip Away. Andrew, what are your thoughts? So I really love the detune kind of tape intro that kind of leads into the beautiful intro. So it kind of has the two parts of the intro. It's got the first stage and then builds into that second stage. And that's where you have a bunch of beautiful vocals that come right in with the intro of the song. And I really love that that's kind of one of the beginning sounds because that type of Emphasis on vocals, whether background, harmonies, uh, or your lead vocals, that's going to be a theme throughout the entire album as well. It's got a really fun feel to it. It's it's kind of on the upbeat side as far as your music goes that just intros the EP really well. So my question is, what made you decide that this was going to be the first single for the EP? Yeah, um, I think I, I kind of liked the idea of starting with something that was really upbeat and bubbly and sort of like just kind of kicking it off with a lot of energy um and then letting that dip a little bit in the middle of the ep and then sort of come back up towards the end so that was part of it also after deciding that i was going to name the ep after that song kind of like just for for that reason too wanted that to be the first one um so that's about as deep as as that goes there's not like a ton of thought behind it other than that you can tell Andrew's the musician where he talks and like the producer type guy where he talks about the detune tape. I, I describe it as there's so much I like about the song, especially how the intro sort of crashes into itself. <laughs> and yeah, then, that's oh. beautiful. <laughs> so I'm going to be a little less, uh, I guess, clear with what I'm trying to articulate. Um, but anyways, the way it opens up then is Wicked Sick. The chorus is so catchy. I'm in love with the post-chorus instrumental. What made you decide to title the EP after this track? Was it more about the track itself or was it about lyrical concepts or was it a combination of that or other stuff? Yeah, it was a combination of both. I did feel like if I were to choose one focus track from the EP that it would be Slip Away. And I think, yeah, thematically, it sort of fit as well. And I didn't really, like, plan it that way initially. Like, when I named the song, I didn't necessarily think of it as, like, also being the EP name for a while. Because I I had, like, a few different names that I was considering. One of them was, like, I think going to just be, like, circling or something. And then there were a couple reasons why I decided not to go with that. And one was, like, Mac Miller's, like, last album, mm-hmm. I think it's called circle or something and i think the other reason was just just kind of like sort of a little bit random i didn't know if it provided a lot lot of like context so i think like given the themes that all five songs explore it felt fitting for the whole thing which maybe we'll maybe we'll get into so next up we have garden Andrew, what are your thoughts on Garden? 
yeah, once again, I I really love the intro. It pulls you right in with this awesome percussive groove along with the guitar lead line. But this song, like your others on the album, it really comes down to the vocals for me. And when you add reverb to your vocals, they still are able to cut through and kind of create these deep emotional soundscapes. The other thing that I notice about this song, that despite the incredible production, that songwriting is so good that it kind of feels like you could actually strip each of these tracks down to just an acoustic and it wouldn't lose any of its power as well. And then kind of you get into the studio and you're adding all these crazy elements, including this kind of really dark and and, and heavy elements of this track after the chorus, I believe, uh, in, in the instrumental a little later. And then it comes back to a quiet halftime feel again. So can you kind of talk about how writing and production works and then how you're able to kind of handle all these different aspects of putting a song like Garden together that has so many layers to add? Man, I mean, that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I think, let's see, Garden, I think, was one of the most, like, just in terms of, uh, like, the arrangement, the overall arrangement for the song was, like, the most similar to its demo. And I think maybe what we changed was the end, which is kind of this, like, we slow down the tempo and, and play the chorus again, but it has, like, a whole different feel. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, let's see, when I'm writing, I'm not focusing so much on building those dynamics I'm kind of more just like getting all of the ideas and the melodies down and then taking them into the studio and working with John is like really where like a lot of that just a lot of that layering comes in and filling out with like all these different sounds and so I think like what tends to happen is and actually Garden too I actually did go into the studio with all my lyrics written for that one so um that's a good example of one where I think like I brought the song in, here's the arrangement, here are the melodies, here are the lyrics, and then what we built on that followed that. So whereas other times, like if I'm coming in and I don't have lyrics yet, maybe like we'll build on it and then that might influence the the lyrics when I go to write them. Um, But this was one where it kind of was the other way around. But I think like even when I don't necessarily have full lyrics fleshed out by the time we're working on it in this studio usually the um the melodies kind of are like indicative enough of like what the mood and feel should be so in my opinion i think this is the most unique song that you've written in comparison to the rest like if i just threw all your songs together this one stands out as the least like the rest to me i think a huge part is usually your lyrics are kind of sad but everything else is really happy like the instruments and the mood and everything this it's just sad for the most part <laughs> and i mean that in a good way it's not like a sad song it's a beautiful song but it's definitely dark and gloomy atmospherically i mentioned before the instrumental near the end is dissonant in comparison to other stuff even vocally you enter into a higher register at times and i think i've heard you go before on this song or at least it's in that upper echelon um is there ever tension in writing a song that is different fearing that it might not fit in with the rest or it might be too out there for listeners or is that something that makes you excited to kind of branch out and push your limits and see if people will like it and push the boundaries that fans might put on you it's Definitely some of both, because I think as a listener, there is something exciting about an artist who you love putting something out that like 
is very different from past releases. But there's like risk in that too, because maybe it just doesn't click with you the way their past releases did. And that's like kind of, you know, can be a letdown at times. Um, but I do think that as a listener, I still prefer that over an artist who who continues to put things out that that sound like it's one continuous record, which, you know, I'm sure there are some cases of this that I'm just like not thinking right now where I actually love that. But I don't know, for the most part, I kind of am excited to hear people explore some some new sounds and go in a different direction. So I think that does sort of inform my songwriting a bit too. At least like, you know, it, it encourages me to try new things. It may not be something I end up going with, but I think it's always like good to to explore that and try to, to push those boundaries a little bit. But yeah, for sure it's 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 nerve wracking and I think even I'm like already trying to write for whatever the next project is gonna be and um I feel myself kinda like going back to the same sorts of like comfortable progressions and, and ideas, which I think is, you know, like is natural in a way, but I am definitely eager to to try to like break out of that a little bit and try things that I've maybe been a little resistant to in the past. Sweet. Next up, we have the second single from the EP, Want Me to Stay. on this track so i am a guitar tone nerd self-proclaimed that i just i love some good guitar tone and i was freaking out first time i heard this that guitar tone (laughs) after the first chorus specifically the guitar tone on the entire album is perfect the guitar tone (laughs) after the first chorus i have listened to so many indie artists or artists that i feel like have gone for that tone and they missed it. And I only now realize they missed it because when I heard that song, I was like, that's it. Like, oh, that's dang. what they were all trying to get. And they couldn't get it. It Like, shout out. That's just, it, to me, it's perfection. It's awesome. So after the first chorus, I like, I think I listened to that like five, ten times. I just kept <laughs> rewinding. I was like, that is, that is really good. So that's the first, first thought that I have. I think that the chord structures of all of these songs are so cool and they're really interesting. But personally, this is actually my favorite chord progression on the entire album. All the chord progressions in the song, I think, create some of the coolest vibes on the album. And so I just want to ask, are these chord structures something that kind of come naturally to you when writing? Or do you tend to experiment to try to fit the right chord with the right sound when you're writing these songs? Hmm. That was a great question. At first, I thought you were going to ask me how I got that tone, and I was about to let you down so bad because I don't really know. I was going to say, you could <laughs> totally say that. I, I just I needed to shout that out because it was so good. If you're really curious, uh, next time I go into the studio, I can like send you pictures or something. Yes. yes. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think, well, Want Me to Stay was definitely, uh, that one kind of got me out of my comfort zone a little bit. I'm trying to remember when I first brought it in, we ended up changing it a bit. Like, I don't know, like maybe it was, I think previously it was a little more predictable. Like I was starting to sort of build the vocal harmonies around it, but 
there were certain parts of the song where it was just kind of like not grabbing you and it just kind of yeah again it was just sort of it felt predictable i guess and so that was a song that i don't know as we were working through it i think we intentionally were like okay this is feeling kind of um safe so like what can we do to to change this up a little bit and like i also at the time i was listening to a lot of andy schaff's the party record oh my gosh so that kind of like inspired this one too like just some of the the tones and like like especially with clarinets when we bring the clarinets in and so yeah the chorus i forget honestly i'd have to go back and listen to the demos i forget what it originally was but we changed the chorus for that reason it just was like felt too safe uh the melodies i was working with at the time just didn't really like I wasn't excited about them. So that was one of the parts of the songs that we rewrote and like kind of just like wanted to have that moment of like, you think you're going somewhere and then like it takes a turn and then you kind of have to like turn your head like, oh, like that was a little bit different from what I was expecting. So that one is definitely like, that one challenged me to sort of think outside the box a little bit. Imagine if Andy Schaff played Warp Tour. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be um, awesome. Maybe it'd start happening again, didn't they? Isn't yeah, it over? <laughs> he could he could revive it. Yeah. Um so your lyrics across both EPs are poetic, but they're also extremely conversational. I think you use a lot of second person pronouns as if almost each song is written specifically to someone. Uh like we're reading a letter you've written them or something like that. Going back to a song like Spill, you talked about how you wanted to spill your mind and your thoughts and feelings to someone but are afraid to. On Want Me to Stay, you sing, tell me you want me to stay. Do you find that a lot of your songs are written as a way of helping you have a conversation with someone and processing a situation before or maybe potentially sometimes in place of having an actual conversation? And if not, what role do your song lyrics play in your life? Yeah, that is a good question. Um, They are usually, well, those two, it's funny, those two that you named are actually like about the same person and the same experience. And they are like, it's from something that's, you know, few years in my past, like five or six years now, probably. Um, And so it, it is very much in place of a real conversation and more of like, a way just to process and kind of, I I feel like it sort of, it it feels like it's very much like all up in my mind and like feels like it has a lot of power over me when it's, when it's there, because like, it's just kind of something I'm like bottling. And then when I can write about it, then it, it just sort of like helps to take the power out of it a little bit, if that makes sense. But yeah, it's, it was just easier for me to draw when I wanted to write a song like that it was kind of easier for me to like connect to something that like did have a deep impact on me even if it wasn't recent because a lot of times when I write especially about specific people or specific experiences it it's sort of like it becomes a lot bigger than just that person it's like really really having strong feelings for this person and that was unrequited like um you know that made me feel all these other things too like it made me really doubt myself and it made me really like question my self-worth and there's like all these other things that are tied to it than just like I liked this person and they didn't like me back so I think it just becomes like a much bigger experience so a lot of times when I write these songs like I wrote the song about this person who I really like in my day-to-day life do not think about anymore but that experience certainly shaped me next up we have April
What's your thoughts on April? So this song has one of the coolest grooves that I've heard, especially in the beginning of the song. There's the drums and the guitar part, and they don't seem like they're fully in sync. It almost feels like there's different timings happening. They're just really cool, and I had to listen to it like a bunch of times to start to try to understand what's happening, and I'm still not sure that I fully get exactly some of the timings, but they work so well together, and it creates such cool, interesting text. And, and I would say this is probably the most unique song on this EP, and I love all the different parts that are used. I would say especially the percussion stands out to me in this song compared to some of the others. So with this song, where the track is placed at four, I really feel like this is kind of the the best place for it because it does get kind of pretty experimental, similar maybe to Garden. There's there's some some very experimental kind of portions of this song and it wouldn't work i don't think as the first track to hear mm-hmm. it wouldn't work as well maybe as the last track either and so it kind of has that perfect and i think want me to stay is the perfect in between track that feels like it's kind of piecing the whole album together a little bit how intentional are you in track placement either when you're writing or when you're in the studio do you think a lot about track placement and how do you kind of come up with those decisions of where each track should fit yeah it's usually it's like after all five are done. I mean, and that's how I've thought about my releases so far, just like in five song EPs. Usually it's like when I have all five, then I kind of start thinking about how they fit together and like how I sort of want that like progression of the EP to go and feel. Yeah. April definitely didn't feel like an opening track and it wasn't what I wanted to leave people with either. And so I think like, yeah, like I, I wanted to start with energy and then kind of have that dip be in the middle and then sort of pick up again at the end. So, yeah, and I think like it could have probably been number three, you know, like there's not like a ton of intentionality between like song number three or number four. But but yeah, definitely I didn't want that to be the first impression or the last impression. I wanted it to sort of be like somewhere in the middle. So I don't know if April's referring to the month, but regardless, the song definitely blooms. It starts off somewhat bare and eventually grows into something more full and energetic. Andrew talked earlier about how there's a lot of space in your music where your vocals usually fill in, but this song, it just keeps adding layers and keeps adding instruments. And at the end, there's this group of what sounds like bells and horns and other instruments that kind of fill any space that's left to the point where the song's kind of like bursting at the seams. And then lyrically, the concept is essentially you wanting to escape two feelings of a careless childhood in the midst of stress and complexity and the chaos of adulthood is the buildup from bareness into the layered and crowded arrangement as well as kind of that picking up more energetic pace kind of connected at all to the lyrics for you and if so do you mind elaborating on that connection yeah um yeah it it is um and kind of going back to your like first point about if it like the name of the song, like just being the month, like funny enough, like I did write it in the month of April. So as originally when I named the demo, I just named it like April song, like 
that's because that's what month it is. But I ended up keeping it because um, as I like continued to write the lyrics for it, I sort of I realized it really felt like it captured this like specific place that I was in emotionally during that month and like that time of last year. And so, yeah, it it definitely kind of has this like this building theme in the lyrics as well as in the song. And like initially that end section changed a couple times. I think like in the demo, I had written this like kind of piano like melody over it that I don't know. I just, I ended up not really liking and and we, we brought in Max to come and do woodwinds and horns and stuff and ended up sort of like creating this end that was just like, sounds really chaotic and uh, also, like, at first, we, like, really buried the vocals in the end section. Yeah, just buried it under kind of everything else and sort of, like, put this, like, telephone effect on it. And then, like, sort of decided to bring it bring it forward a little bit more as we were working through the song more. But, but yeah, it, it, it does have that, like, sort of escalating feel both, like, in mood and both in, in the lyrics. So, yeah, there was something very intentional about, like, wanting it to kind of burst into pure chaos at the end. (laughs) I was kind of wondering, and feel free to shut me down, it almost felt like, lyrically, as you wanted things to get simpler, like, musically, it only got more complicated and overwhelming. And as you wanted things to slow down, as you wanted life to just, like, quiet things got faster and things got more out of control. And I didn't know if that was like what you were going for, if that was intentional or me just reading into it. Yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, I guess I didn't quite think about it that way. And that's actually like really, really observant. Essentially, like, I guess what, what, what I was capturing was like, I think like a lot of what the EP is about is like mental health and um, just like varying degrees of that. And some of that's like, stuff I'm going through some of it is stuff my loved ones are going through that I'm observing as an outsider and so yeah it was kind of a time of like just realizing there was a lot of sort of like buried just stuff that I wasn't that I didn't really know was there and didn't know how to deal with but it was kind of like bubbling up in these like sort of scary and confusing ways and and what I was like looking for in that time in my life was just like anything to kind of just quiet that Um, And so it was a lot of things like just trying to go out every night and be out late so that like, because like, I I feel like this is something people really can relate to, but I feel like nighttime is like when your, your thoughts get the most like sneaky and mean and like, (laughs) and so you get like really like, I don't know, I feel like when you're like home alone at night, you like really start thinking about like, I don't know, your just mind takes you to places that are like irrational or whatever. So they're just like, yeah, in this particular time in my life, I was sort of like looking for any way to distract myself from that. And then ironically, I think it was just like nothing was working. Like it was, it kept mm-hmm. those like feelings kept bubbling up. And so that's sort of what that song is like capturing. Like, and some of it too is just like, yeah, just trying to use just being like goofy and like ridiculous with friends and like reckless kind of like as a means to like, be like okay I'm happy like things are good but then it, it was like you know at the end of the day not solving anything so that's sort of what the song is getting at awesome thanks for sharing next up we have the final track honestly but Thank you. 
Honestly, this is the last track. Andrew, what are your thoughts? I was gonna hey. do a pun there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna uh. not then. Okay. <laughs> well, this is the perfect ending track. As I as I mentioned with with song four, that wouldn't have worked as the ending track. And looking back at all the other tracks, this is the only one that could honestly sorry, I didn't actually mean that ironically but it is the only one that could end the album as well as it does the only problem i have with this song is that it's the last one because i wanted like roughly 30 or more songs um on the album itself because each song has been so good one of my favorite things you've kind of been alluding to as you talk is the turn that this song makes and so you kind of settle in you kind of feel like you have the groove like in my mind i'm like okay i know what this song is and then and in the bridge, all of a sudden it completely changes, and that's then the groove that you end up fading out on and mm-hmm. and ending the entire album on. And I think that's one of the coolest things. I'm a total sucker for that type of stuff anyway, and you utilize it super well, and the fade out, I mean, it's just, you literally couldn't have this track, I feel like, anywhere else. So... I've kind of already stated my thought of this had to be the last track, but from your point of view why is this the last track what what stands out as far as you wanting to end the album on this whether musically or lyrically what made you decide this would be the last track on the ep yeah um this was another song that i had all the lyrics written for before taking to the studio and yeah i think that really originally the decision came from the theme more so than than the, that fade out but then when we when we got to tracking that part usually like i don't i think it's the only time i've ever done some kind of like fade out like that and and like sometimes it can be cheesy so i think i've been like a little bit hesitant but that time it felt like really like it felt really appropriate but lyrically this one really felt like the last track of the ep and it wasn't like i didn't really plan it this way but as i started writing it kind of just unfolded this way but um yeah, lyrically, I, I do feel like it really ties the whole EP together and essentially covers this idea of essentially like, you know, there's something what I've been like wrestling with the whole EP is like there's something unsettling there's something not quite right. There's something that's missing. There's something that I'm wanting or something that I'm like constantly running towards. And yet, like, you know, none of these things really are satisfying that, that need. And so like, it's kind of this realization of like, you know, like maybe it is that like constant, like want that is like making you feel empty. And so more of addressing, like, what is that reason that you're like wanting something, you know, it's like, there's something, there's like a why behind it rather than like, you know, you need that or like, um, so it's kind of, I, I think like, with everything I was exploring on the EP, it sort of feels like some sort of resolution just in that, like, okay, I have more clarity on like what the problem is now. Um, so I think that originally is what made me feel like that was the final song. And then, uh, when we tracked it, it like definitely settled in like, okay, this is for sure the last song. So you're bad in a thousand five for five on the EP. The final minute and a half of the song, as you guys have both been talking about, it's so interesting. It has this drifting away type of feel, and it eventually fades out. And you end lyrically by asking a lot of questions. 
And the fading out conceptually makes it feel like your questions for this person are almost never ending and they could go on and on and you could have like an unlimited amount of questions. First, was that what you were aiming for? Second, are you asking these questions to yourself? And third, is the fade out connected kind of to slip away? Almost like the song and these questions and these feelings you have are like slipping away. Is that like connected at all? Or am I reading into things? Damn, I wish I thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> you can say yes um, now. We can... Yes. Oh, yeah. You cracked the case. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Always, the first question was, uh, was it intentional that it's like never ending questions kind of, right? Yeah. Was that supposed to be like, was that conceptual idea meant to be presented that way through the fading out yeah yeah definitely um i think like the questions kind of get more intense and there's a sense that like yeah i could have kept writing them like it could have kept going um and maybe like just it fades out and you don't really get to hear what those were or something like that kind of was the mindset of it um but but at the same time it was supposed to sort of be escalating like getting more and more intense and like harsh um and i think the one that i ask it twice because it's like that's like kind of getting really at the like root of it like that's sort of that like really like in your face question and then yeah it is to myself actually the whole song is kind of like a conversation to myself so that end section is asking it's me asking myself what will make you happy yeah and then number three the slipping away <laughs> yeah 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 um i mean no it, it wasn't like i didn't plan it out especially like the fading out with the fading in of slip away like um that wasn't intentional but i'm like so pleased that it worked out that way that's pretty <laughs> cool um but i think like what was intentional is just like lyrically those things tying together that was supposed to be like how it's heard so yeah just and now i guess awesome so uh before we end we want to ask and we'll answer to give you time to think what's your favorite song on the ep andrew what's your favorite song yeah, so I'm going to pick April. Oh, Honestly, cool. I didn't feel like I could pick a wrong one because they're all so good that <laughs> I think each time I've listened to the EP, I've I've fallen more in love with another song, so my answer has changed a whole lot <laughs> throughout this. But currently it's April. I think that that song just is so interesting to me. And, like, I'm literally, my head is spinning right now, still trying to, like, piece together every part of the song. There's so many elements in the song, and I feel like it's it's showing a side of you that that like you hint at through the ep but i feel like that's the most flushed out like hey this is a little bit different and and i i don't know i just i really like that song so i'm gonna go april thank you how about you nate i'm going with garden i think as andrew said it's hard to pick the whole ep is just stacked but it was a song that made the least sense to me when i first heard it and after a few listens, it just all came together and I attained enlightenment and I just fell in love with the arrangement and uh, just can't get enough of it. So, Lexi, what's your favorite song? Well, first of all, thank you both. It's so incredibly kind. I mean, I kind of like it kind of changes for me, too, if I'm being totally honest. And I'm not too proud to say that I do at times listen to my own music. <laughs> so I think like it's it's bounced around a little bit. I think where I land currently is that I think I'm the most proud of, honestly. And so I guess I would say that's my favorite one. 
but it kind of changes. Like sometimes that one too, like bums me out too much. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes it's not my favorite, but for now, I think like, I'm, I'm just like, I'm excited for how that one came out. And I feel like it pushed me to, to explore some, some new, some new sounds. One thing before you leave, we just wanted to mention, this is the first EP we've ever done an episode on. I think we're, this is our like 28th episode. And it's because we usually hate EPs because they often feel like random B-sides or they don't fit together as a cohesive project. They don't feel extremely important or extremely valuable or worth listening to. But your EPs are just totally different. And we do long for the day. It sounds like a full length is hopefully in your future. But we will gladly accept music in any form from you with gratefulness because you're just an exceptional musician who puts a lot of thought into your EPs. And we're just so thankful for your music. Oh, wow. Thank you. That's so kind. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. It was a blast. Thanks again for joining us, Lexi. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you both. Have a great night. All right, that was our interview with Lexi Vega of Mini Trees about the new EP, Slip Away. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure, again, that you are supporting Lexi. I know for Nate and I, we're going to buy her vinyl literally the day that she posts about it. So make sure that you guys are supporting her by vinyl, any merch. And when she is able to tour again, make sure that you are out supporting her in that way as well. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. If you do like the podcast, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. You can like it. You can rate it. All that fun stuff there. You can also follow us on socials. You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at LDLpod. And you can even email us at listening at gmail.com. Nate checks every single email and will reply within the day that you email he'll reply very fast so make sure that you email him tell him how how just awesome he is and uh and how much maybe uh you like the podcast or don't like the podcast but just email us please i average a 15 second response time yeah but he doesn't want to brag he, he's trying to up that number he's trying to get to like 10 seconds yeah. but. i hope to send my email back to you before i finish reading yours to me yeah Yeah, it's just thanks. (laughs) So thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Have a great day. Give him a hat back, Jordan. Do you want to see Uncle Cracker or not?